On today's episode of Trouble with the Snap, we will be breaking down everything that just happened in week four, including some of the most notable games of the weekend, before having a little discussion about the Pac-12, the situation in Colorado, before wrapping up with an all-new type of draft. We hope you enjoy. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen Watts takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Trouble with the Snap. I am Will, as always, joined by the absolute man himself, five-star scholar at the University of Texas at Austin, Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing today, boss? Doing great, doing great. Just looking forward to next Saturday, honestly. For sure. We got a loaded slate next Saturday as well, just like how we had this past weekend, but we'll discuss that in the next episode. Um, but aside from that, how was your weekend? Obviously, Texas had a pretty big win over Baylor. Um, just how, how was everything this weekend? How you been since the last episode? Yeah, it was fun. I had some high school buddies come into Austin, so we were hanging out, having a good time, and then drove to Waco, business trip, and just came back that night it's pretty easy it's an hour and a half so also super easy drive you just go straight in the highway for about 90 95 miles get off and then yeah won the game and then headed back we're home by a little after midnight so yeah i just crashed and then sunday nfl day get things in order and then have a lot of midterms this week but nothing too terrible but what about yourself you had an early morning 11 a.m i did i um i forget like just how much fun and how awful 11 a.m. games are at the exact same time. Um, it absolutely sucks getting up like that early in the morning and heading over, especially now since it's still early season, still pretty much feels like late summer outside. Um, I wasn't necessarily too excited to go sit out in probably like 96 degree heat, if not warmer, um, this past Saturday in College Station. But uh, long story short, considering how the Ags played, especially that defense on Saturday, I'd sit through, you know, 160-degree heat, if not more, um, just to watch a team that looked that good on the field. Um, but all in all, it was a great weekend. Uh, I'm definitely, you know, still recovering, like sunburn-wise. But um, other than that, did just about the same thing as you. Woke up Sunday, watched the NFL, um, and then just kind of got right back on the grind with school and you know, just looking forward to next week at college football. Yeah, I think 11 a.m. games get a little too much hate sometimes. I prefer them to 2.30. That's fair. Away. And 2.30 is still the hottest part of the day, so. That is that is very night true. Games, night games are the best, but 11 a.m. Isn't, isn't the worst thing in the world, in my opinion. No, I agree with that. Um, I feel like the 11 the 11 a.m. game, though, that's like obviously Fox has a big noon kickoff. And AM hasn't had a game on Fox, I believe, since 2021, which was like game two against Colorado. So I'm not necessarily the most used to having 11 a.m. kickoffs, except for, you know, last season when you go five and seven, you have 11 a.m. kickoffs for pretty much the entire the entirety of the season. But um, 
I don't know. I, I, I loved it and hated it at the same time. Yeah, something you got to deal with, but you'll have night games soon enough. For sure. All right, you ready to jump in, talk talk some recap of week four? Yeah, I'm more than ready. All right, so let's start off with Florida State and Clemson. Um, I'll, I'll let you go first if you don't mind. Yeah, a huge win for Florida State here in Death Valley, 31-24 to in overtime. This, this was a game where it didn't really feel like Florida State deserved to win. Cade Klubnik and this Clemson offense came out hot and then a little bit cold and then know a little bit more hot there towards the end but yeah Klubnik I thought played a pretty good game he's still you can definitely tell that this is his first year starting with some mistakes but overall played a solid game Clemson was very up for this game their defense played really really well but it was one of those games where it felt like Clemson should should have been winning by more and FSU kind of fought back there that blitz and strip sack for a touchdown that Kalen Deloach had was an incredible hit a great call and that really changed the whole game Clemson Misses a chip shot field goal there. And, I mean, Jordan Travis is so tough. He was battling through injuries that whole game. He just rolled out a win there. Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson's FSU receivers are incredible. And ultimately, FSU gets to stop in the end and pulls out a big win over Clemson. So, yeah, this was one that Florida State needed. Kind of feels like a signature win, kind of like a monkey off the back thing for them. They haven't beaten Clemson in a while. So, yeah, big win for them and Clemson, who looked good, but they fall to 0-2 in ACC place so and not the best conference start for them. Yeah, no, it is not looking good at all for my preseason conference champion pick for the ACC. Um, but I do want to go talk about um, – I feel like there were two plays in this game that really just defined the outcome, and they both happened to come at the expense of Clemson. Um, the first one that you talked that you just touched on was that kind of strip sack fumble. Um, huge play, huge moment, all that. Um, you know, Clemson, you said they started out kind of hot. They were looking good, maybe had a little bit of rhythm and whatnot. And I feel like as soon as that strip sack happened, it just immediately took all the momentum they had and just flipped it on its head and gave it right to Florida State. Um, so that was a very huge play. And then, of course, it comes down to, you know, that missed chip shot. I believe it was like 29 or like 31-yard field goal with about a minute 32 left or something like that. Um in that situation, that spot to win a game against a top five team in Florida State, you know, you, you can't you can't really make that mistake in that situation. I mean, I, I get it; it happens, but that's just an absolutely brutal way because um, you know you get so close. As I said, you had that strip sack, but yet you were able to bounce back, put yourself in that position to win the game like that, presumably, and you blow the opportunity. So that sucks. But anyways, um, yeah, no, Florida State they uh, they played a really tough they had a really tough brand of football in this game um it was really fun to watch i really enjoyed it um i certainly think um up to this point i mean of course boston college um gave florida state a bit of a run a bit of a run for their money the weekend before Um, but personally i think that this game was the most difficult test that florida state has had to date um and obviously they passed every they passed all their tests previously and they passed this one so I don't necessarily see the momentum in Tallahassee slowing down anytime soon. As you mentioned, Clemson falls to 0-2 in conference play. That's going to be really tough to bounce back from, especially if they're trying to make it to the conference championship game, like how at least I'm hoping they will. Um, so is it possible? Yes. I mean, technically anything's possible, but is it likely? It's most likely not going to happen this year. Um I hate to say that already since we're only like um, like four games into the season, but that's just kind of how college football works. Um, anyways, all in all, great win for Florida State. 
and uh, Clemson, they um, they got some work to do. Yeah, they're in a tough spot now with 0-2, and, and Duke obviously has a tiebreaker over them. Carolina still hasn't lost a game yet. Florida State is not going to lose three conference games. So, yeah, a little bit tough sledding for Clemson if they want to get to Charlotte. No question. All right, let's jump into some SEC ball here. Um, I'll take this one. I'll, it's um, it's the AM Auburn game. Uh, AM came out on top 27-10. Um, obviously, one of the big storylines of this game is um, the sophomore quarterback, Connor Wigman, goes down with a bit of an ankle injury right before halftime. Um, you know, his, his true status is still unknown to fans and talking heads, whatnot. But um, in his press conference today, Jimbo Fisher mentioned that his ankle injury isn't severe enough to be classified as a high ankle sprain. He just said it was like a minor sprain with a bit of swelling. So take that however you would like. Um, other than that, though, uh, this game was – it was like 6-3 going into ha- or going into halftime. So clearly it seemed like a defensive slugfest um, – throughout the first half before AM and Max Johnson really turned it on a little bit. Um, I do want to give a shout out to the Aggie defense though. They were credited for seven total sacks, I believe and like 11 tackles for loss or I know that's a, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know the, the true number specifically, but I do know that the team as a total had seven total sacks. So considering what we've seen in the past, um, these past few games, especially against Miami, with no pass rush to go from no pass rush to seven sacks in one game, um, it's a pretty pretty big turnaround there. So I was really impressed. I really enjoyed what I saw from that D-line. Um, shout out to true freshman Tar- Tarian York, um, a little bit of an unknown prospect on the recruiting trail uh, last year. But um, the dude had an absolute crazy game on Saturday, and he played well enough to earn him uh, SEC Freshman of the Week honors. So shout out to him. All in all, I thought it was a really great game that AM played. The offense when it got going, it looked really it looked really good, especially that uh, 45 yard deep ball that Max Johnson hit in double coverage to Evan Stewart. That was honestly one of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen thrown. I feel like um, all in all, great win for AM. And as um, they're getting prepared for Arkansas this upcoming weekend in Jerry World, I can't think of a better way to um, start start preparing for that game with the momentum that they are carrying over from Auburn. Yeah, AM is very lucky to have Max Johnson. He could be a starter on a lot of teams. So credit to them for keeping him around. And yeah, solid win over Auburn there. That's how you want to start 1-0. Auburn to TCU over SMU 34-17 in the final battle for the Iron Skillet for quite a while. TCU has looked a lot better since their opening season loss to Colorado Chandler Morris is kind of finding his rhythm here, and SMU is just not what I thought they would be. Their defense is actually a lot better than expected, but right lastly, Preston Stone in that offense is struggling, to say the least. So we'll see if they can pick it up in conference play. But, yeah, TCU wins this game. It was never really in doubt. Speaking of another game that wasn't in doubt, Oregon destroys Coach Prime in Colorado 42-6. to I think we both kind of thought this was going to happen, maybe not as bad as it was, but this game was ever really competitive. And ultimately, Colorado's inability to run the ball – and play any sort of defense going up against a team that has Bo Nix, who's one of the better quarterbacks in the country right now, and Dan Lanning, who's a defensive genius. This was never really going to go well, especially without one of their best players, Travis Hunter. So, yeah, Oregon takes care of business 42-6 to in Eugene. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think you and I did kind of see this coming, as we talked about in our last episode last weekend, or last week, excuse me. Um, 
Yeah, Bo Nix was in complete and total control, and that entire Oregon offense was in total control that entire game. I mean, Bo Nix, he looked so comfortable back there. I mean, it, it truly looked like the dude probably like ripped a peace pipe, is as comfortable and as chill as he was in that pocket. But uh, anyways, this game was never really in question. It was never a close game to begin with for the most part. Um, yeah, just absolute dominating win. Uh, great win for Oregon. And if as for Colorado, I'm uh, I'm not necessarily sure uh, how they will bounce back from this, but I um I am very curious to see what Coach Prime can do after being absolutely just sucker punched in the mouth by Oregon this past week. So it'll be really inter- interesting to see um, how they will respond next week taking on USC. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got for that game. Uh, do you want to jump into Utah UCLA real quick? Yeah, let's look at another Pac-12 matchup here. Utah beats UCLA at home 14-7. Utah still without Cam Rising. I thought they would lose without him, but their defense was phenomenal. I feel bad. UCLA freshman quarterback Dante Moore is going to be a star. He had a really rough outing, and it honestly wasn't really his fault. He did not have much protection at all. kept getting sacked. I think the game actually ended on back-to-back sacks. But, yeah, Utah with Nate Johnson in there still struggling to score, but 14 was enough, and Utah escapes 14-7 to in Rice Eccles. Yeah, um, I, I do feel kind of bad for Dante Moore. As he said, he will be a star. We can all see it. We all know it. We can all feel it coming. It's just uh, – it was just a, just a brutal outing, to say the least, for him this past weekend. Um, all right, let's jump back into SEC ball a little bit. So uh, you want to talk about Bama Ole Miss real quick? Yeah, Lane Kiffin has to be kicking himself with – look, Kiffin is really funny. You could tell he was trying to make a stir in the media, maybe get in Saban's head and make the media ask Saban some weird and dumb questions. But this was there for the taking for Ole Miss. This is one of the weaker or at least more vulnerable Bama teams in quite a while. And Ole Miss had a 7-6 to lead. Bama kicked a field goal on third down, which was crazy. But, yeah, this, this Bama defense was really, really good. They completely shut down. Jackson Dart and Quinton Judkins there held him to one touchdown. Dart threw a pretty bad pick laid across the middle. Bama goes back to Jalen Milrow at quarterback. And Milrow played pretty well. His one pick was not good through a pick in the end zone. And defense completely baited him into that one. And he holds the ball for a long time and takes some unnecessary sacks or loss of yardage sometimes. But I thought he played pretty well. They let him run the ball a little bit more. And he took a shot on a beautiful deep ball. Knocked the wind out of him, but he got it off and beautiful throw there. So yeah, Bam wins twenty four to ten. This is a big win for them. I don't know how great Ole Miss is, but you want to definitely bounce back and good confidence booster there for Jalen Miller getting an SEC ranked win at home. For sure, if you're someone like Jalen Miller, that just has to be a huge stepping stone, whatnot, for your confidence. Um, as you mentioned, the Alabama defense looked pretty stout, being able to contain, you know, uh, Jackson Dart and Quinshawn Judkins, whatnot. To the numbers that they did, that's that's always going to be pretty impressive. Um, as for Milrow, though, I mean, the dude, I, I feel, I'm really happy to see him playing the way that he, or at least I'm really happy to see him play the way that he did on Saturday. Obviously, it wasn't complete and utter dominance, I would say, but obviously it was more than enough to get a conference win, and you'll never say no to those. Um, so, obviously, I feel like at this point going forward, Milrow is the clear-cut number QB1 in Tuscaloosa, as he should be, I feel like. Um, so, good for Jalen Milrow, good for Alabama. As for Lane Kiffin, I don't really know what he's doing by trying to stir the pot. Like, I, I can kind of maybe see where he's coming from, but 
you know, he's going to have to start backing up that smack talk at some point. So until then, I, I would probably just, you know, keep it, keep a lid on my, uh, on my mouth there if I was Lane Kiffin before we get jump into a big game like that. Um, all right, let's just, uh, let's pivot here. Let's go back to Pac-12 a little bit. Uh, what did you see in the Washington State-Oregon State game, Colton? Yeah, Washington State takes this one 38-35. to Big game from, from Cameron Ward, their quarterback. He has looked very comfortable in year two. He threw for over 400 yards. And, yeah, pretty cool story. He used to play at Incarnate Ward, actually, in San Antonio and got the call to Washington State. So, yeah, kind of a struggle game there for DJ Uyunglele and this Oregon State defense. And it was 30-35, but the game never really was that close. Washington State was in control pretty much from the start of the second half and on. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I accidentally skipped this game on our list, so I apologize. Um, I'm going to talk about LSU over Arkansas real quick. Uh, very crazy game that took place in Death Valley, Baton Rouge. Um you know, Jaden Daniels clearly. I feel like with a game like this, um, I would I would not argue this. I think it's the truth. He is the clear cut best quarterback in the SEC to this point. Um, the dude is just a flat out stud. He's a baller. Um, LSU, man. I um, considering Arkansas was coming off a loss the week before to. Excuse me. Arkansas was coming off a loss the week before to BYU. Um, I figured they'd probably play with a little bit more fire under their butt, a little bit more passion in this game. Um, but I did not think that they would make it as close of a game as they did, especially in Baton Rouge. So LSU, that defense probably needs to clean some things up before they get into the true bulk of conference play. However, it's still a great win. Um, Arkansas, you know, it was a it was a really impressive showing. I feel like from their end. Um, I wasn't personally, I wasn't expecting much going into this game for Arkansas, especially mentioning what just happened the week before, but you know, clearly they, they put up a hell of a fight and fell just short, unfortunately, uh, real quick though, Colton, did you tend to, did you happen to catch the very end of that game? Yeah, it was a great ending. So what was, um, the way that Arkansas ended that game, um, with LSU, LSU had the ball and they were at like the like within the Arkansas fifteen, I would say. So pretty much like right on the the uh, the edge of the red zone there. And LSU is there first and ten. Arkansas has two, either two or all three timeouts left, and they pretty much just let LSU run the clock all the way down to like seven seconds to kick a field goal. So like, wh- I guess my question is, what were your thoughts on that? If you have any to share about that, very questionable from Sam Pittman. I mean. I feel like in that situation, you either use the timeouts or you just let them score. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. That's why I was asking because I remember watching that live on TV, and you know Arkansas, of course LSU is going to run the ball, especially uh, that late in the game and in that position of the field, they're going to run the ball as much as they can and try to kick a field goal. And that's exactly what Sam Pittman let them do. Um, you know, I, the entire time I was thinking, you got to let them score, got to let them score, because clearly at that point it was still a tie game. Um, but, you know, Arkansas, to their credit, I guess they made a few good stops on that drive. But all in all, I thought it was a really, really mind-boggling decision for Sam Pittman and his Razorbacks. Yeah, especially when your offense is playing the way that Arkansas was, you want to give them a chance to yeah. work at the end or at least go into overtime. But, yeah, we forgot to mention it, but Clemson also had a really bad clock management at the end of regulation there. But, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think Jay Daniels struggled a lot in the first half but really stepped up in the second half and was – the reason that they won that game and this LSU secondary is very bad. 
Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, one of their starting DBs is named Major Burns, so that that uh that can never That's be good for bad, anyone. That's a bad DB name. Exactly. Yeah, I'll touch on the game I was at. Texas beats Baylor, thirty-eight to six. I was in McLean Stadium. Actually, shout out McLean. That's a very pretty stadium. Actually, I, I, th- I think it's pretty underhyped, but. Yeah, this was dominant. The story is the Texas defense. Jalen Ford has a pick. This Texas defensive line completely dominated. Led by Byron Murphy and Devondre Sweat, they sacked Sway Robertson five times and had eight tackles for loss. There really was just no way Baylor was going to be able to move the ball. UT's offense, I thought, played pretty well. Big game on the ground from Jonathan Brooks and big receiving game from JT Sanders. I thought Quinn Ewers played pretty well. Had one sketchy throw that that did not end up biting him in the butt, though, and he ran for a 30-yard touchdown, which was pretty crazy to see. But, yeah, pretty dominant win for Texas. Uh, The special teams gets an F-minus for fumbling three kicks, or one kickoff return, and two punts. So that's not good. But aside from that, very dominant, easy win there for Texas. Let's jump into Ohio State over Notre Dame. This game definitely delivered. What a physical game. Game of the weekend, I would say. Yeah, what a physical game. Like, this just felt like two really good physical teams just beating each other up and going at it. Like, this was this was true trench warfare. Notre Dame has an awesome offensive line. But Ohio State, I think, while they have a lot of talent, people under Ryan Day might think of them as just kind of a 7-on-7 team with all these skill guys. But they were very physical, too. And despite a weird sweep call on a fourth and inches there in Notre Dame territory, they got the ball back and... Kyle McCord, who had his struggles, made an incredible throw on third and 19. A great catch there by Mecca Buka and Notre Dame. I love Marcus Freeman, but man, you cannot have 10 guys on the field the last two plays of the game. And Ohio State runs right behind Episcopal legend Donovan Jackson into the end zone for a touchdown, pretty much at the buzzer. So heartbreaking loss there for Notre Dame, but what a great game and great win for the Buckeyes. The other thing about that game, too, is on that final game-winning drive that Ohio State had, I don't remember the DB's name for Notre Dame, but he truly had the game slip through his hands. Um, yeah. There was a, it was that free safety. He stepped up. There was a ball kind of over the middle, kind of going towards the sideline. So he stepped up, and the ball truly, it went through the middle of his hands and hit the ground behind him. So obviously if he comes down with that, Notre Dame, they take they uh, it's a turnover, not turnover on downs, but they take over from there, you know, kneel the clock out. They, they leave that game victorious. Um, so I can only imagine what that guy's feeling and thinking right now. But anyways, this game absolutely delivered and then some. I believe the score is like 3 nothing going into halftime. So clearly it was just – if you're a fan of defense, this was like your Super Bowl so far. Um, all in all, just classic old school slugfest, you know. Uh, not too many points were put up on the board, or at least in the first half. Um, but all in all, great game. Um, Ohio State did look pretty good, especially – um, at the very end, obviously, the game-winning touchdown run, that was huge. Um, and Notre Dame, you know, I, I just feel crushed for them. I, I really do because it felt like they had the momentum in that game. I mean, aside from them being at home, um, they had they truly had the momentum in that game for like 99% of it, it felt like, at least in my opinion, um, just for it to just vanish and just for them to be crushed like that at the, at the very end. That's just that's just killer. I can only imagine um, – just what Notre Dame fans are going through right now. That was just a brutal, brutal loss. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely the game of the weekend, I think. Probably that or FSU Clemson. Let's run through another Big Ten game here. Penn State demolishes Iowa 31 to nothing. Penn State has been incredibly impressive. I mentioned I thought they were a potential playoff contender. 
I feel like no one talks about them, but they've just been dominant this year. And yeah, Caden McNamara is terrible. Iowa's offense, everything about it is terrible. And the scary thing is that one of Iowa or Wisconsin are probably going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. And I just, I mean, they are going to get demolished by Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan. But yeah, Brian Farron's there. Yeah, they are under the 25-point margin that or the average that they need. And yeah, Kirk Friends in a bit of a sticky situation there. Like he put his hand in some maple syrup there if he has to fire his son, which is definitely not a fun or comfortable thing to do. But yeah, Iowa's offense is a disgrace. Let's look at OU over Cincinnati, 20 to 6. I've mentioned I have my concerns about Oklahoma. Their defense has definitely improved. As I mentioned, Danny Sutton's a stud linebacker. And secondary with Billy Bowman seems to kind of have it figured out a little bit there. But, yeah, this OU offense just really struggled. The the D line was able to really do some work there. And Dylan Gabriel, I think, is a fine quarterback. I just I think he kind of limits the offense a bit, and I don't think that their receivers are anything special. So, I don't know. I'm interested to see how OU fares the rest of the year. They have an easy schedule, but we'll talk about it next week. But I think that the Cotton Bowl matchup against Texas is not so great of a matchup for the Sooners. But they're still undefeated, so – and look at another game involving a former Oklahoma Sooner, Lincoln Riley. They take down Arizona State on the road, 42-28. to This USC defense is really a problem. Cam Scabetto for, or Scatebo for Arizona State was phenomenal, breaking tackles. Just had an awesome game. Really helped keep them in the game there. And, yeah, Caleb Williams, incredible as always. He did get hit in the nuts with a snap, which is a very unfortunate, funny moment there. But, yeah, USC is going to score 100 points every game, but I mean their defense is a real problem. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I do want to give a shout out though as well to the Arizona State quarterback. Obviously, coming into the season with Jaden Rashada, he wasn't um, the quarterback who played against USC was not the starter, but um, clearly he stepped up. It feels like when the lights were the most bright, where the, when the lights were the most bright to this point this season. Excuse me, my brain is kind of cooked right now, but. Um, Anyways, long story short, I think that that quarterback, that kid played a hell of a game for Arizona State. Obviously, they didn't get the outcome that they wanted, losing by two touchdowns. Um, but all in all, the dude just seems like a warrior. Uh, kept him constantly in the game throughout pretty much the entirety of it until we got to probably like halfway through the fourth, I would say. Um, all in all, though, uh, great effort by Arizona State. As for USC, I completely agree with what you just said. That with Caleb Williams running the show and Zachariah Branch out wide, I mean, the dudes will put up 100 points each game. Um, that, that's pretty much a guarantee, it feels like, at this point. Um, but that defense is just – I don't want to say atrocious, but it's, uh, it's definitely not pretty. And they – you know, if, if USC had – an actual somewhat just average defense that felt somewhat competent. I, I easily would see this team being a playoff team. No question as with how good that offense is. Um, all in all though, I mean, a win is still a win conference play win. You never say no. Um, not the prettiest by any means, but they still USC Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley still did just enough to get the job done. So you'll never, you'll never say no to those. You always take a conference win like that. Yeah, we didn't talk about it in the preview. We didn't talk about this game, but Arizona State has had really bad quarterback injury luck. They have had about like three or four quarterbacks get injured and go down. But yeah, Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer, starts. And yeah, like you said, he played a very good game. And yeah, I mean, this 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 USC thing, and we'll kind of dive into our Pac-12 discussion, but 
Alex Grinch has been Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinator for quite a while now, and I've never really understood what he has on Lincoln Riley because they have never really fielded a good defense. And even at Oklahoma yeah, as well, they they have the best player in college football still. But I mean, can you really ask him to score every possession? I mean, he could do it, but it's it's not a recipe for success and. I think a team like Washington could could take them down. Dude, I'm so high on Washington, I feel like, at the moment. I mean, so is everyone else in the country. But Michael Penix, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Um, my gosh, that dude is, a, is an absolute stud. Um, hasn't Washington put up at least 40 points in, like, every single game to this point so far or something like that? I mean, look, Penix led the nation in passing yards last year, and he had three pretty much 1,000-yard receivers, and they all came back. And Jalen Polk and Roma Odunzi are studs. So this isn't really surprising, but, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think they don't have that signature win yet because they haven't really played anyone, but if someone voted them number one in the AP poll, I, would not, I wouldn't think that that's egregious at all. I think they've been awesome. And so, if their defense can get a couple stops against USC, they're going to win. Mm-hmm. So, Colton, I do have to ask. Obviously, I would say Michael Penix and Jake Browning um, are probably the, some of the best quarterbacks in the history of Washington's football program. Um, obviously, Jake Brown, obviously, Jake Browning led um, Washington back to the playoff back in what, 2015, I believe. Um, so, as of right now, obviously, we're only through week four. But if Michael Penix continues to play like this, would you take, or I guess in your opinion, would you say that he is the better quarterback than Jake Browning, or do you still think Jake Browning is just because he led him to the playoff and things like that? Yeah, real quick, shout out Jake Locker for Washington. That that dude was awesome. He was never on a good team, so but former first round yeah. pick. But no, yeah, I would right. take Penn Browning any day. I think Browning yeah. kind of peaked as a freshman or sophomore in college, and that Washington team was really, really good and had a good defense. But mm-hmm. obviously he's going to be a legend there because of how far they got, but I think playoff or not, I think Penix is, is definitely definitely better. No, I, I completely agree. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. But, um, I mean, the Pac-12, we're going to talk about Colorado in a second, but mm-hmm. and look, Oregon's still undefeated. Washington State, this looks really, really good. Obviously, Utah's still undefeated. If they get Cam Rising back, I think this guy still could be the, the limit for them because they want to be the most physical team in the Pac-12, and they, and, and they really play some defense. And – yeah, I mean, we still have Colorado that could shake things up. UCLA still has a stud freshman quarterback. I mean, there's Oregon State. Uh, you know, like I don't think that that they're cooked yet. So there's a lot to like in the Pac-12. Some really fun matchups going to be coming up. I really did not think that the Pac-12 would be this much more dominant than you know necessarily like the Big Ten or the SEC, um, like two perennial powerhouse conferences that have, I feel like dominated the sport for the like the last twenty plus years, whatnot collectively. It's it's really cool to see the Pac-12 kind of, especially if this is the last true season of the Pac-12, it's really cool, I guess, to see them go out on a high note like this. The Apple Cup is going to be awesome. Washington, that will be Washington a lot State. of fun. Oh, cool. yeah. That'll be a great game. And, like, we, we talked about how we don't know who the best quarterback in the SEC is or how it's a bit of a discussion there. The Pac-12 is loaded with quarterbacks. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy how all, the, all these – Great quarterbacks, Bo Nix, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, um, et cetera. Uh, DJ, 
ukulele, I'll, I'll call them. Yeah, Cam Rising, et cetera. Like, that conference is absolutely stacked at the quarterback position. It's It's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Let's hit on Colorado. For me, I think they'll put up some points against USC, and they'll lose. I said before the year, I thought they were going to go 3-9. and nine. They are better than I thought, so I'm wrong about that. But, look, I think Colorado was kind of playing on borrowed time here. I mean, their O-line – struggles they can't run the ball very well so they're fairly one-dimensional on offense and there's only so much you can really do there and their defense just doesn't get stops the only game they played well defensively was nebraska and nebraska's offense is really bad so yeah i mean i i certainly colorado i think that they'll make a bowl game which is a good year six and six in year one for dion is is really good but and who knows maybe they go seven and five but yeah i don't think that they really have a shot against a team like usc yeah, no, I, uh, I I agree with what you just said there. I do think um, Colorado has enough talent. Obviously, they're well-coached enough um, to get to that 6-1 threshold for the bowl games. Um, I do have them making a bowl game this year. Obviously, they're not going to win the conference in year one under Dion or anything like that, regardless of who's on their roster. Um, but as I was kind of talking about as uh, we touched on their, their game from last week, I'm really curious to see – just how this team responds against a damn good USC team um, this upcoming weekend after being punched in the mouth by Oregon. Um, I don't want to necessarily dive into a preview of that game already, but I do still think Caleb Williams and USC will be too much for Colorado, but I'll touch on that more in our next episode. Um, but all in all, though, I, I am just really curious to see how they respond, how they bounce back, and especially if they potentially drop this game, which how I'm kind of expecting them to, against USC this coming weekend. It'll be really interesting to see just exactly what Dion does, or like kind of the strategies that he employs to get his team truly back on track. Real quick question. Do you think that as of right now, any conference is going to get two teams in? Man, um, I think the best shot would be the Big Ten between the Big Three and the Big Ten, uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you know, you look at the Pac-12, and they haven't had two teams in at one point at all yet, have they? No. Yeah, so um, the SEC, that's it's such a toss-up this year. So I certainly don't think that they'll have one. I mean, I, it's still the SEC, so I'm sure the committee will find a way to sneak at least one in there if, if possible. Um, as for the Pac-12, I, I don't see that really happening. Like, it, it, is it is it um, a situation that could happen? Sure, of course, no question. But if, uh, if you ask me right now, which is what you just did, um, who I think if, um, if there was a conference that had the best chance to have two teams in, at the end of the season, I think it's the Big Ten um, pulling for Michigan, Ohio State, or Penn State. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that it's definitely the Big Ten there. The other thing there is that because I think the SEC is a one-bit league and the ACC's only hope really is Florida State. I know North Carolina is still undefeated, but I can't see them getting there. And as of right now in the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma really are the only teams there. And I'm not really a believer in Oklahoma and knowing Texas both have to drop a couple. And, but so that's the thing is that right now it's, I think people are looking at FSU and Texas as the teams to get in out of the ACC and the big 12. So if those two teams lose, I think that it could open a spot, but yeah, as of right now, I'm with you. I think that the big 10, maybe the PAC 12, there's just so many teams in the PAC 12 that actually could do it, which is wild. It would be a lot of fun to have two PAC 12 teams in a 14 playoff. 
Um, Especially last year. Yeah, that'd be so funny. Yeah, you talk about going out on a high note. Like, my goodness. All right. Yeah, I don't even think see how it plays out. This has already been a pretty wild year. And I feel like there's – I mean, every no team's ever perfect. But this year, especially at the top, it feels like a lot of teams have flaws. Yeah, completely. All right, are you uh, you ready to wrap up discussion and uh, jump into our draft? Yeah, let's do it. A really fun week. Excited to preview a week five with y'all on our next episode. But yeah, we're going to jump into a new draft, courtesy shout out to my roommate Sammy for the idea. So yeah, what we're going to do is we're going to pick the season that we're currently in, which is fall, and we're just going to pick our favorite things from that season. Kind of random, I know, but since the first day of fall was this past week, um, we're just kind of really getting into that spirit, even though it's still 95 degrees outside daily in Texas. So I won't, I guess I at least personally won't truly fully embrace fall until we have our first cold front move in. But, you know, you never know. It's still technically fall. So let's just, uh, let's dive into it. Colson, who are you taking in the 1-1 slot? Yeah, my my 1-1 pig, pretty easy here. No explanation needed football, football season, fall grains football. Yeah, that's it, that's as good as it gets. Um, for my one-two, that's a that's a it's kind of tough. Um, well, I, I say it's tough because considering that we live in Texas, I feel like we don't necessarily experience like the quintessential fall things down here as much as you know guys on the East Coast or the West Coast. Um, man, this is tough. I'll um, can I take cold fronts? Like cold fronts? All right, I'm gonna take those. Um. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm kind of weird, but every single every single year, I always look forward to the first cool front of the season. It's it like once that truly hits, and you know, you can actually wear a jacket for the first time outside and not sweat to death. Um, I'm happy. It's what I, it's what I look forward to every year. Yeah, right. cooler weather is 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 always the greatest. All right, what do you got in your two one, Colton? I, I think it's still your pick, Snake. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, my brain is absolutely cooked. Um, all right, call me basic. Call, I'll be that guy here. Um, but as much of an icon as this has been, I would say, in the past decade or not, can I take the pumpkin spice latte? Unfortunately, you can steal it from me. Okay. Well, I'm definitely taking the pumpkin spice latte. Um, you know, I feel like – at least in my opinion, this really bursted onto the scene with Starbucks. Maybe that's just my experience because my sister's the one who introduced it to me, and she is the one who has originally gotten it from Starbucks. I don't know. But long story short, it feels like every single football game you see now or everything, anytime you watch live TV at all in the fall, you will see at least one or two ads like from Dunkin' or Starbucks or anything like that, just talking about pumpkin spice or pumpkin spice-flavored drinks like that. And so um, – that feels actually kind of like a bit of a steal on my two one. All right, yeah, what do you, what do you got? Are, three second pick, Colton. Those are two solid picks here. I am. I'm gonna go back to back here. Give me Thanksgiving and Halloween. Damn. Two awesome holidays. Thanksgiving, I think, is just great because you finally get a break in school. You get to be around family and friends, and like you football, great food. Or, yeah, and just awesome food. You gotta love the turkey and gravy, everything there. But yeah, Thanksgiving, awesome holiday. Probably it's actually my definitely my favorite holiday. And yeah, Halloween, self-explanatory. It's 
one of the best holidays out there. You can dress up as whatever you want. Last year I was, I was a carpet. So <laughs> you were a carpet. Well, my friend was Aladdin. I was the magic. Oh, and okay. I also was the FBI and one of my friends was a butterfly. So we had some good costumes. I'm looking forward to winning Halloween once again this year, but yeah, give me Thanksgiving and Halloween. Very nice. I like that. Um, all right. For my third pick here, just straight up, I'm going to take hunting season. Um, that is a massive thing, at least in my world. And especially being from Texas, I've been doing it my entire life. And along with cold fronts and the, the absolute bomb drink, the pumpkin spice latte, every single fall, I always look forward to hunting season. Um, so I will I gladly take that in my 3-2 slot. Um, as for my last pick of the draft, this is tough. Um, cause you already took the two best holidays of the fall. Um, man, uh, you already did football. Shoot. Um, I, I I'm sorry. I'm kind of, kind of caught off guard here a little bit. You, you surprised me by taking those back to back. That's the beauty and the curse of a snake draft. Um, Oh, hell with it. Um, can I take pumpkin carving or like just pumpkins in general? I mean, you can, but you already went pumpkin spice. I know, but I'm saying you like. I'll allow it. I mean, physical. Okay, then I'll say pumpkin carving. How about that? There we I go. I mean, I know pumpkin. it kind of goes hand in hand with, with Halloween. I know I already have pumpkin spice latte, but at the end of the day, you know, you think fall, you think like wearing wearing jackets with the cool weather outside. Maybe the leaves are changing and whatnot, depending on where you live. And you always think about like those little kids or parents whatnot carving up pumpkins in their front yard, putting them right on the porch for Halloween. So I'm gonna take pumpkin carving if that's if I can't have Halloween. That's that's the second best option I feel like. Yeah, solid pick there. I for my last pick, I was going to take leaves changing, but we've kind of mentioned that throughout, so I don't think it really counts. I'll go with Black Friday. Wow. Right? Wow. That one loaded up. Yeah, that one in a bag. Yeah, Black Friday, so explanatory there. There's just awesome deals. Day after Thanksgiving. Absolute mess, though. Yeah. Absolute mess. Yeah. But that's the fun of it, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, I like my draft a lot. I like mine, too. I hate that I had to – I repeated pumpkin because I was truly – Oh, my heels on that last pick uh, caught me off guard. But at the end of the day, I still think I had a pretty solid draft as well. And pumpkins are iconic. Everyone thinks about them when it comes to fall. I mean, you're not going to think about a pumpkin in the middle of spring, are you? No. Summer, no. Winter, maybe is like a leftover. But every single time you hear, see, or look at pumpkins at all, it's got to be fall. Yeah. I can definitely boost your draft a bit. All right. Um... Well, you, you have uh, you have anything else to say before we wrap up? Yeah, if you guys have any life advice, obviously submit. And if you have any more fun ideas for drafting, let us know. We will draft just about anything. And we have some other fun stuff planned for future drafts. But please send over any ideas, no matter how crazy or dumb you might think. We will definitely draft it. We quite honestly, ideas, so. yeah. Quite honestly, the the more crazy and more dumb it may sound, the better it'll probably it'll probably end up being. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to draft stupid things. It really is. All right. Well, with that being said, uh, that will just about do it for us on this episode of Trouble with the Snap. Um, Thank you all very much for listening. If you made it this far, 
Um, as Colton was saying, if you have any more ideas, please feel free to submit them. Any recommendations, anything like that at all, no matter how crazy, how stupid, we're here for it. And we will truly cover anything and everything you can possibly think of. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, that will do it. Um, we hope you enjoyed and uh, we will talk to you very soon. Yeah, excited for a fun week five slate to show y'all. Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you.